Glocal, podcast on locally incubated global technology powerhouses. operating in 26 countries. Actually, uh, we close to 5 million IRR in the plan to cross 10 this year. This is your host, Enes. I'm pretty excited because we have our first international guest today from Ukraine. We'll continue to have guests from Eastern Europe in the coming episodes as well. Competera is a price management software that bootstrapped for a very long time and decided to raise funding last year in order to grow stronger. They are in an interesting space but we did not invest last year because we believed that e-commerce alone is never big enough. It is good to hear that um, me and Alex, we're on the same page now and that Competera is not focusing on e-commerce anymore. Let's listen to the episode. Welcome, Alex. Can you tell us more of what you do? Competera today is price optimization software. We actually help retailers to determine optimal prices for their products. That means like before Competera, is a thousands of product managers sitting every day in spreadsheets and try to determine the best price for their products. And today you can like put all this stuff to the computer and we help them significantly increase efficient of their sales, revenues and business goals. You guys also had a pretty good story just before you were starting the business. It was something like you sold the product without even having it and then spent months finding and providing manual data yourself, and then you actually automated that and turned that into a software. Can you tell me about that story, please? Yeah, it's an interesting site. I impressed it, you know, with the story. Computera is a spin-off of our first failed startup, and one of the small uh, script would actually test the prices uh, on our like storefront. Uh, we go through the internet, crawl this data, and try to see where is like this retail price and moderate advertising based on this data. One day we realized that it's not a good way to try to like push this e-commerce project. Actually my background like is a computer science and my co-founder is CTO. We spent a lot of time like in like engineering side. And this day we realized that we tried to build some like e-commerce platform is a tough because it's like highly operational business. You need to buy traffic, you need to hire a lot of marketing team, etc. And uh, yeah, we build this from this small script, we build the product uh, then, uh, up from idea to first sign of customers. It took only three months. And when I signed this big contract, I came back to my co-founder and say, hey man, look, we have a customer here really want to optimize 14,000 products. And my co-founder said, man, you're crazy. Our product works only with 200 products. And actually, we're not sleeping for three weeks and involve a lot of our friends and uh, family to make this product live. Mm-hmm. We actually do product matching manually, etc. It was crazy. And when I do presentation for the customers, actually, he said, Alex, we are impressed because we spent three years trying to develop the same stuff. Like our matching quality was around 80% and you bring us like 95 Honestly, that day I say, yeah, it's algorithms and humans, but it was only human power. Again, from the first business, like we put our own money there and spent maybe like like two Lexus <laughs> <laughs> there. And we have only like 10,000 on our bank account. And we need to do this shit down. You know? <laughs> it's an amazing story. I mean, you guys validated that there's a demand for the product without even having the product. And then you had to fucking do it manually yourself just to impress the customer. Not sure how sustainable that is, but... I was so stressed, man. And one night, I just sitting behind Andre, say, man, 
uh, what we will do with next customer. You mentioned that you guys had a startup before that, and I know that you and your co-founders were in IT for probably more than a decade. How relevant was that experience while you were just starting Competera? And is that where you learned you have to fake it till you make it? And then you apply that to your next company? (laughs) Yeah, it was an interesting experience. I know my founder from the university. And during this university, as you know, in Ukraine, there's no VC funding, etc. And all entrepreneurs here, they need to care about EBITDA from day one. And we do a lot of outsourcing. When the first uh, iPhone was launched, we developed some software for United States companies and selling. I have a small like outsourcing team, like 14 people, and Andrew have as well. After university, I spent six years in consulting industry. I do our IT audit, and this helps me to face it with this big retail player. I learned how to sell it for B2B, for enterprise B2B. And one day I came to Andrew and said, hey, Andrew, I have some savings. We really can do something for our own. We're always building the products for different companies, but we have no our own product. And Andrew say, hey, as well, Andrew, that moment works on huge outsourcing uh, development center in Ukraine. Say, yeah, why not? Let's try. And our first product, we spent 1.5 years, actually close to two years. We developed the product. We're not reading this book for Steve Blank, like four step to empathy. And we spent like around like $300,000 and it's no one using this product <laughs> by the end of the wow. day. <laughs> yeah. And next one, we just from idea to first customer, we just spent three months. Well, even before you started the business, um, you knew who to hire, how to manage a team. You understood the problems in retail. You had some sales experience, but it still took you years only to realize that you failed. So in your next startup, you focused on customer validation from day one, and it took you a month to see the market appetite for such a product. I guess um, that was the right way of building a product. Um, as far as I know, you guys have different product lines, the competitive data, the brand intelligence, and the price management. So two questions. One, will you continue to roll out new products? And two, how automated is the overall process? I know that you guys have something like a mechanical Turk, a system um, to find product URLs manually on the back end. Is that still the case? Uh, yeah, you're right. Guys, it's really tough. Right now, we actually mostly close our brand intelligence product. It still has a lot of customers and we have like you know, 20 or 30 requests every month. But if you build the product, product is not mean only engineering. You need to have product owner marketing, like minimum 3P, product, place, and price. It means that you need to have like separate team, separate marketing, separate sales for this particular product. And one day we realized that like we're too small to serve like a three different product lines. Because if you want to build something really big and like the best in the world, you need to put all your attention there. And only right now we have only two products. As you mentioned, at Computera Competitive Data, we're crawling whole internet and delivering this data through API directly to the customers or we're using the same technology to our main product, computer price optimization, as a data layer. And now I have two separated product owners. So it took you around three or four years to understand that you have to focus on certain niches, concur or dominate those, make it fully automated, make sure that you're satisfying your customers, and then you can expand horizontally or vertically with similar offerings. Yeah, is this our MTARC? Like it still works and like 300, still 300 people work on it. Wow, 300 people, um, all based in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's much more cost efficient. You also said APIs. I guess you provide data to your customers through your APIs. And I also know that you guys are strong on integrations. 
and integrations sit at the core of your value propositions. How many platforms are you guys integrated with? And does it actually help in easing the onboarding process for retailers and decrease churn, increase retention in the long run? Actually, everyone said, yeah, it's mainly it's SAP or Oracle or hybrids, but a customer has a different uh, version of these platforms and you need to support the different integrators for both of these, for numbers of these products. Is it still pain? to decrease like onboarding cycle integration to make the integration faster you need to spend like we have a small team who call it onboarding team and now we include one engineer there who actually we call it right now the first time user experience team who need to focus only on decreasing time to value for new customers yeah as well they try to build like new integrations they support existing and always try to overthink how get this data collection or uh, data integration faster. Now we're using a lot of Google BigQuery. It really helps to make integration faster. When we spoke two years ago, you were really bullish on the price optimization product. It was even a big value proposition pivot, meaning you were moving away from price monitoring and more towards actually automatically revenue or profit uplifting. Were you able to uplift figures and do you have strong case studies to prove such an uplift with Competera? We were a bit lucky because if you can show and prove to your customers that you can actually show him like real impact, real revenue changes. And of course, my pitch deck right now includes only case study and customer story and the ROI like calculation. If you can show it, like your deal would be very, very fast. And right now it happens with price optimization product. We're running pilot for you for like six, eight weeks and show you how your stores perform with Computera and result. We do like some split and A-B testing. And now like we can just clearly show you what is the effect from Computera. And yeah, it helps on sales a lot. Actually, sales guys right now just showing the case study and say, guys, you want this? <laughs> if yes, then run, run a pilot. That's amazing validation. Everyone loves extra money. You also told some different names like Hybris or IBMs. Looking at the competitive landscape, on one hand, um, there are the IBMs, Hybrises of the world. On the other hand, there's price effects that provides pricing consultancy to enterprises. And then there are direct competitors like pricing from Turkey or Wiser. I think they're from Israel, but I'm not sure. How do you view the competitive landscape and how does Competera differentiate? A lot of companies, like you mentioned it, like pricing or Wiser, uh, they mentioned like price optimization. Honestly, it's like fake. They actually doesn't have any real math behind these uh, worlds. Uh, they just show you the dashboard and say, yeah, you can, you can do here like dynamic pricing. We really have real neural networks. It's a mix of econometric, math, statistics, and uh, machine learning engineering. Closest competitor is PriceFX. You're right, and they had some funding. But right now, we focus it in a bit different areas. PriceFX is most B2B pricing. They help, for example, uh, Ducati to uh, determine best price for parts, bring like new model alive. And means we are mostly B2C, like we provide the end-to-end solution, like we have dashboard like Salesforce, you can work like product manager in Computera all day and uh, do some pricing simulations as well. Yeah, it's a pretty new market and I know like a lot of new competitors coming, like we compete mostly with startups, but in RFPs, we face it mostly with big four, like consulting companies and like you mentioned, IBM and Oracle, Uh, but all the services mostly based on consulting. 
is a consulting and small product. We actually only product. We not provide professional services at all. Makes sense. While analyzing Competera about two years ago, my biggest concerns were the low multiples in the industry and the lack of winners. I mean, e-commerce is very mature. It's a couple decades old and pricing has always been a major issue. But there are no success stories for price management yet. And why do you think that is? And how big is the market for a solution like Competera? Uh, right now, we focus it mostly on brick and mortar because according to latest Deloitte research, people spent $4.4 trillion in sales. For the last year, 90% was cached in offline. Is Online is still only 10% from all sales in the world. Is why, yeah, brick and mortar retail is underestimated in terms of the, uh, they still have no access to this very small access to the technology. This is why, for example, big guys like PVC or Deloitte going through the, uh, through the countries with like digital transformation programs. And Computera is a part of this digital transformation is where you can actually stop using your spreadsheets and you can use like uh, machine learning and nice interface to predict your future short term sales. And we actually adjust prices is very, very, like, is a teeny, like it's three, 4% per product. But if you have like thousands of transactions, like your H&M or Collins or Sport Direct or Staples, uh, you have millions of transactions per month. And like this adjustment for one or 0.5% can give you significant revenue lift. Yeah. And you're right. E-commerce is still tough. And again, marketplace is eating e-commerce. My global vision for today, we have a plans to develop computer pricing assistant as, as a product for marketplaces, actually for sellers who are selling on marketplace as well as Shopify as, as a bit different technology, but it's like running like as a similar to A-B testing of mail campaign when you different, you're sending different subject line and automatically selected what works better. We will do the same with prices. Like we determine price elasticity dynamically and it helps marketplace seller uh, sell their products much more efficient. That was something I was going to ask. Well, um, e-commerce is being monopolized by giants like eBay, Alibaba or Amazon. How does that affect your business? Would you prefer a more fragmented market with a bunch of e-commerce companies all selling through their websites? Or would you prefer a more monopolized and a consolidated market? Which one is better for Competera? I believe like offline retail will be next 100 years as 100%. Uh, and they are, today they are running like their online departments. But you're right, like single players, single e-commerce players, they're dying, especially small e-commerce because of, because of marketplaces. Is why we decided to actually run this marketplace-facing product because you're right, there's no reason like in long term to build something for e-commerce right now, at my, my opinion as well. For brick and mortar, yes, and for marketplace. For e-commerce, they're growing, but growing because like offline start to catching online, not for like new players. You can go to marketplace and like directly manufacturers start selling their product directly on marketplaces. They actually have no reason to open their own stores, etc. Is is a Alibaba strategy as well. And you said big four a couple of times. I mean, I know how big four, since they are consulting companies, they can be a good sales channel as well. And they sell a bunch of products uh, in the premise of becoming a digital transformation enabler. So do you guys work with the big four? I mean, is are there an acquisition source for you guys currently? Yeah. 
you're right. Uh, we work with one big company. Actually, I can't mention its name publicly. <laughs> it's prohibited by NDA, but of course, we're providing data and they're building their consultancy on top of our data uh, today. Uh, but we try, actually, uh, we have some white labeling and now we like cancel this contract and want to build our own brand and not rely to their sell channel. They, not, right now, they're pretty okay. But two years ago, we were a small startup. It was an awesome contract. But actually, they cannibalize our pipeline a lot uh, because we realized that they like they buying one time data for us and selling 25, 30 times. And yeah, we're losing a lot of revenue. From a customer segment perspective, you said that brick and mortar is a priority for you guys. Um, and you're also focusing on marketplaces. But the initial product was tailored towards e-commerce. And you're not a strong believer in that anymore. As you target brick and mortar or marketplaces, do you go for big enterprises or more mid-level enterprises and why? Uh, you know, it's a great question. Uh, right now, we, as a product, you need to be focused on your end user, on your using persona. For us, a persona is a product manager. It's a guy who actually cares about prices. And for us, actually, it doesn't matter where they're sitting in big, big organization like retail corporation or they're sitting on small e-commerce shop. We need to provide the same value and uh, great experience for both these customers. But strategically, yeah, for price optimization, we have some limitation because machine learning can operate with lack of data. Is why you, we, we focus it on enterprise who actually a minimum 100 million in revenue. And on top, our biggest customer today is $1.9 billion retailer. That's a good insight. I mean, so your kind of customer segment is above 100 million and up to a couple billion. Uh, which is a good, I mean, it's a wide customer segment. Um, can you tell us more about your current traction? How many companies or countries or monthly revenue uh, do you guys have? We operating in 26 countries as a, where we like have a, at minimum one active uh, customer. is around 115 customers right now using Computera. And uh, we have three operational offices and we plan to open this year uh, London and New York. Like we re actually rebuild our UK representative. We, we want to push more power there and open a new one in New York. And we opened last year uh, Singapore present because we have a lot of like internal requests and Singapore market needs someone on the ground because it's a, Asian is a trust. You need to see face before you. Actually, uh, we close to 5 million in IRR and uh, in the plan to cross 10 this year. Yeah. Wow. So $5 million in annual run rate. That's, that's amazing. Can you tell us more about what metrics you focus on and how are they so far? I mean, this can be unit economics, gross margins, growth, upsell percentage, anything like that. Our core metric for uh, two products for first one, of course, is number of applied prices is how many prices was applied uh, this week by our customers and this metric needs to be growing. Yeah, it's like, it's very important to any product, at my opinion, to have this, we call it core product metric. That means that they can show whole product cycle in only one number. And money is a metric, is not target because sometimes the people actually losing their focus when they focus on them only on money. For example, this product for SMBs, for small guys, and our main metric as well is the number of applied prices. And sometimes the freemium users, you don't need actually to pay for nothing. And we can't focus on money on that side. Actually, investor, investors doesn't like, when I, I don't know, but again, user at first. 
and user customer at first. Of course, we have a dashboard in our office where you can see NPS, core product metric, of course, like sales conversion, uh, char net churn rate. Yeah, all the top 10 SaaS metrics applicable for all this stuff as well. I totally agree with you. Well, money is a lagging metric and the leading metrics are different and revenues and outcome of those. So it's better to define these inputs as core KPIs or OKRs. You said 26 countries, probably from seven continents, and that you're opening an office in Asia. Which region has the biggest potential for Compedera? Uh, you know, is because we are a bootstrapped company, uh, the, like we have this like our revenue is spreaded by uh, all the all around the world. And when you ask me what 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 is it, like main market where we concentrate it, of course, right now like in terms of number of customers is absolutely wide. Uh, but in terms of money, is more the Europe right now. And next year, it would be United States, of course, because a huge, huge market. Well, you said three offices, and looking at your LinkedIn's, your three co-founders are spread in these three offices in Ukraine, UK, and US. How is the organizational structure here, and how do you sustain culture across borders? Two of my co-founders, mostly sitting here in Ukraine, is me. I, I living in the airport actually, like three weeks in Singapore, three weeks in London, three weeks in New York, etc. Now is like challenge that like we do this like company grand demo last week, and I said the guys, it's 2019. It will be great challenge to try to connect our cultures to between all these countries or these different regions we're bringing these guys from like for example sales guy from new york right now living in ukraine for three months they're selling from the ukraine they try to understand the culture they try to see the faces of their co-mates etc uh, but like uh, our second high queue would be in new york probably and each quarter we have these two weeks like team building stuff yeah, it's a huge challenge, but it's totally doable. I mean, there are many examples that accomplish that in Eastern Europe or in Turkey with sales teams and marketing teams in the US. And majority of your team is still in Ukraine. What are some of the advantages of hiring in Ukraine? I know it's much more cheaper from a cost perspective, but how good is the talent in Ukraine compared to, let's say, UK or uh, US? Ukraine is a great place for engineering hiring, of course. Uh, and but a lot of companies right now know it, and you know, like a few months ago, Snapchat opened it, like development office in Ukraine, and they actually rent half of Unit City, uh, <laughs> and is a is a great pool pool of talents, but still market is not uh, is so competitive. And for you, like we try to build our brand, Computera, like a good place to work in Ukraine. If you try to hire some management level, like head of customer success, head of sales, is absolutely bad place to hire these guys because we have no so many technology-based companies and we have like that data robot, ring, etc. But all this stuff is already here. Right now, our VP of sales is based in Israel and uh, he works from Israel and like travel here very often because there's no people here to hire. Yeah. So Ukrainian universities are good. And a lot of companies have their outsourcing or even R&D based in Ukraine. And these factors actually facilitated the technology know-how transfer, but that did not happen with sales and marketing yet. Hopefully it will with product-driven global companies like Competera. You said you bootstrapped for years, and then you went to VC route about a year ago. 
Did you close that round? And what was the reasoning behind raising VC money? We spent three years with no money. We do our bootstrap story and we actually proud it. Uh, <laughs> but when you start spoken with some like great VCs like in New York, etc. A year ago, we took small like funding. We not do like officially uh, for the stuff just to separate team and run our Singapore office. And right now we just started like in the January, the first month we start our Series A fundraising. How much did you raise if it's not confidential? And I know that Ukraine has a very tough fundraising landscape. So how tough was it to raise your seed round last year? I spent a lot of time with all VCs in Ukraine and I respect all of them. And But there's only few guys who are actually smart enough to understood how works SaaS and IT business as well. But we found actually great guys who actually was previously founders. And they're mostly founders with their own small VC firm. We took this money only by one reason, because these guys understood our pains, etc. But the rest of the world, like investor landscape here, is absolutely empty. And now that you're spread across continents with more than 100 customers in 26 countries, and you're going to raise your Series A mid this year, how will your process look like? Your team is still predominantly in Ukraine, but your revenue is fully global. Do you think it will be easier to fundraise from international VCs for Series A? No, of course. Like I read a lot of articles like Series A funding is the most like complicated funding. You need to prove a lot of stuff. We not do fundraising, but I have a lot of connections and I host like fire chat between Axel and Don Capital in Ukraine a few months ago. And I always try to investigate what is like best markets. And now I feel the great interest from the big guys and I spoke with maybe 15 funds right now and like partners, associates. But you're right, they want to be sure that you have some international recognition. You have a, at minimum one headquarter outside the Ukraine. Small teams there, like three, four, five people, but they need to be already there. And in most cases, why like Estonian startups or London startups, in my opinion, or France startups more successful because they have some internal funding uh, as my good friend Florian Dataiko, who they, they took like $3 million seed funding and they helped them to go to the United States, to New York, and they built a great office there. In Ukraine, you actually, you can't raise more than $1 million. I didn't see any case where someone raised here local money more than one, but $1 million is not enough, actually. You can't build for $1 million nothing outside the Ukraine right now is so expensive. Like only one sales guy will took like 300 a year. Almost all the Ukrainian startups have their top companies elsewhere like UK, US or Estonia. As far as I know, that was the case with you guys as well. And I vaguely remember that your IP was in Cyprus for some reason. I'm not sure. Um, how is Ukraine from a legal perspective and how is Competera's legal structure currently? Our IP is not in Cyprus. <laughs> it's like we have operational co uh, companies there. And right now, yes, our IP, uh, we're transferring IP to United States. And in the directly, we have Ukrainian entity and United States entity is absolutely clear uh, scheme with no Cyprus in this scheme. And uh, yeah, Ukrainian uh, legal perspective is horrible. It actually is no innovation there from 1991. Is no one cares about IPs, etc. For example, is like Estonian PipeDrive holding all IPs in Estonia. And I had a meeting with Estonian president. She comes, she comes to Ukraine and selected like selected founders. Uh, we have an opportunity to spoke with her like for an hour. And she was impressed that uh, Ukrainian companies don't hold the IP in Ukraine. 
<laughs> because it's not like no have any regulations and innovation in Ukrainian law to hold uh, IP here. So you have your Topco in US and a Ukrainian subsidiary just for technology development. Um, that's the structure I see a lot too. Lastly, I know that you had some exit talks a couple of years ago um, that didn't go through and you decide that the potential is much bigger, that you should double down, raise funding and grow even faster. What's your end game for, from an exit perspective for Compatera? We're receiving three times M&A requests uh, from like big consulting companies, from one United States-based company and one from China. <laughs> yeah, and one of these opportunities was very, very interesting for us because the company sounds interesting, like is this idea to merge with some big guys in the United States and receiving like green card and work everywhere and join to the big, big, big corporation. During the due diligence, uh, when I came to office of San Francisco to this company and see, man, I just see like huge floor of sales guys and only small room of engineering team. And when I asked the CEO, why, why it happens? Why do you have a floor of sales, but only like few guys in engineering and one girl from Oracle, but she's Chinese and when they, her English was horrible. Like, you can't recognize actually nothing. She said, if we have no feature, we just hired two additional sales guys. We spent a few days there, maybe three or four. And we sit with my co-founders and we realized, hey, man, we have a great technology. These guys want to buy only our engineering power. They say, guys, you're so engineering driven company. We want to have you because you see we are sales driven, etc." Sales and consulting is like is a mindset of like a lot of United States companies. And I say, fuck, we can build the sales. It's not a problem. Actually, we just need to hire right guys who can build sales for us. And I deep dive for a year to sales process and build the, some our like sales organization. Like I call it sales tank. I have a publication in like SaaS Nation about sales tank. And uh, right now I hired that great guy, the head of similar web sales of similar web, and he tried to rebuild all this stuff. It was interest journey. You need to see uh, like to solve these guys of this uh, of this company when we say no. They hey fuck we spent three thousand thousand dollars for your audit. Say yeah, but we not sign nothing. We sign only term sheet. <laughs> yeah, and we canceled this uh, opportunity, and now we think we can build something really big and be like industrial standard for pricing is our goal. And of course, like next three, four years, I hope we can cross 100 millions. You are a product-driven company. Um, now you have to become a sales-driven company, but going from product to sales is easier. And that's what a lot of companies do. Going from a sales-driven organization to a product-driven organization, I think it rarely works. So the cultures weren't a match after all. Alex, thanks for joining us and see you soon in Ukraine. Thank you, man. VC funding amounts have been rising tremendously around the globe since the beginning of 2000s. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case in Ukraine. But I'm a strong believer in the country because I'm very impressed with the entrepreneurial quality and the tech talent um, that is there right now. We'll continue to have guests like Alex with stories of bootstrapping and eventually becoming one of the leaders in their own space. This is the end of the episode. You can reach our website, theglocal.co. You can reach us on Instagram at the Global Podcast, and you can reach me personally on Twitter at Enes Hulli. Thanks for listening, and see you next Monday. <laughs>